Hi everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Powderheads, a carpenter additive podcast. With each episode of Powderheads, we bring you the minds of industry experts and delve into topics that are defining how additive manufacturing is making an impact on our world. Today's episode was recorded at the Forum Next 2021 Expo in Frankfurt, Germany this past November. Our guest is Tuan Trampham, Chief Revenue Officer at Azul 3D. Azul 3D is a leading edge 3D printing company with their headquarters in beautiful Skokie, Illinois. Their hardware prints 3D structures from a wide array of materials and at production speeds. Tuan sits down for a discussion with Mark Pinder, Business Development Manager at Carpenter Additive. In this chat, Tawan speaks a bit about his accidental passion during a time that the pandemic continues to impact AM and indeed the larger manufacturing sector. He also questions what kind of crazy person takes on a CRO role in such a difficult and challenging market. It's a Powderheads discussion about passion. Thanks for listening and enjoy the conversation. So welcome Tawan. Thanks ever so much for joining us today. Uh, we're really happy that you're here. And um, the reason why I suggested that you come on to speak with Carpenter Additive and, and ourselves today was you are a, you know, an active voice in the AM industry, uh, an enabler, and keeping current with technologies. Uh, so we, we found you to be quite an exciting spokesperson and we want to bring you in and have a, a chat about a bit about yourself, um, your background, of course, and, if, you know, and where that leads, what, what do you find exciting currently in the AM world and and we will also discuss possibly any challenges and barriers because the pandemic has been a, an, a obviously a, yeah, a troubling time. But it, it is um, so good to see that you know AM is is still here, even though it's a very you know uh, new technology. So uh, yeah, introduce yourself, Twan. Tell me a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm honored to to be asked to join you guys. Um, a little bit about myself, uh, I'm a guy, I call it my accidental passion. <laughs> uh, I, I studied the export engineering, I actually grew up in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm a Danish citizen, EU citizen. Um, so I studied the export engineering, equipment of business engineering, but I never saw a 3D printer in my engineering degree. So when a final of my now wife, introduced me to Z4 for seeing a 3D printer for the first time 19 years ago. I fell in love with the 3D printer back then. It's kind of like Indiana Jones excavating powder and you see this ball bearing coming out. <laughs> Bit of an architect, and I, yeah. And I thought back in 2002 that this is going to be the future. And in five years, all the companies will have a 3D printer and we're going to change the way we prototype. Um, and I... Um, I will say that often people say, go find your passion and, and stick with it. Many times you actually don't know what your passion is. So yep. my belief now is actually what excites you, what you believe in is actually a choice that it is your passion and then you stay committed to it. So now I can say that I've been in 3D printing for 18 years, worked for eight large uh, 3D printing manufacturers. So I've seen a lot in the last 18 years as the industry has grown. Yeah, no, that's great, Tuan. And just, you sort of touched on uh, a passion, and, and I think that's quite important within the AM world because, you know, like any new adoption, you have to have that motivation, you have to have that drive to, you know, uh, make things happen. 
So when you say about you know that what excites you, is it the is it the vision that you see where the AM market is going to take us from a technological point of view? Is there anything else specifically that you really find quite exciting about the AM world? It goes a little bit back to most students um, wish that they got this career advice from their teachers, which I did not. Is that when you later get a job, find a job in an industry, a career path that is exciting and actually fast growing. And so to answer your question, once 3D printing, I got uh, passionate about 3D printing, it was not even a billion dollar in revenue for the whole industry 18 years ago. And seeing that over the last decade going to $12 billion, um, the excitement and the journey, the new talent uh, coming into the industry is exciting. But realizing that if we're going to be a legit industry exceeding 100 billion uh, by most bankers, then it's going to require a lot more talent. So by having industry insiders sharing and inspiring uh, other uh, colleagues and, and new entrants in this industry, give them the foundation and knowledge and insight and share there that with them will help them to fast track and learn the right kind of information because you can be misled if you read the wrong kind of uh, news or direction. Yep. Um, it scares me a little bit that there are people who, basically here's a hint, on LinkedIn, if there, anybody says they're a 3D printing expert, they're not an expert. <laughs> because if you're an expert, you don't need to say you're an expert. Correct. Does that make sense? Yep. So if anybody new coming in and after two years and they say they're an expert and they're going to teach everybody else, I've been doing this for 18 years, what does that make me? A dinosaur? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you look pretty well for a dinosaur, Tuan. Um, I think you, you know, what your observation with regards to talent bringing new blood back you know, into AM technology into the world I think it's a really crucial part of that that, that process to, you know, uh, take you forward, as you say. And it, it's funny, actually, uh, post-pandemic, it's more apparent now than it ever has been about that work-life balance. So having that excitement, having that interesting, innovative environment to actually, you know, grow in is is actually what people are really wanting to, you know, to work towards. And AM is is, is definitely a, a platform for that you know, that thrill seeker in that area. Um, in terms of the talent coming through, I acknowledge completely, I think that, um, you know, it needs to be more proactive from the beginning, right? It's like when you watch, um, you know, you question the NFL, right? In, in America, NFL is part of the blood, isn't it? It's DNA because it's brought, it's been brought through um, from schooling, from academia. So it's right from the beginning, you're programmed, right? And it's a good thing. And I think that that's what needs to happen here is that not so much conditioning, but making people aware of what actual um, opportunities are out in the world and try and engage people, young, young adults, uh, you know, that kind of age to really, you know, bring that talent, talent profile and that, you know, that work resource you need through. Um, what, that's one of the barriers I think is, is a challenge. Do you see any other barriers within AM I mean, we've been, as you know, you've been around 18 years and we hear the story quite often 
we're always going to be, you know, the niche tool manufacturers and never full-scale production. Do you see any other barriers that you think that are prohibitive to that next step in, in AM? I'm going to give you multiple answers to that question. Uh, I think in general, uh, when you see the formation of an industry and and the early slow growth of an industry, there is this tendency to not share what you have learned. Yeah. And by not sharing, that means other people will make a lot of the same mistake you did a few years ago or a decade ago. So when I observed this a while back, I decided that, well, it's a personal, uh, it's, it's gonna be a personal uh, answer because I spent 10 years in polymer non-metals and when i went to arkham and selling electron beam i'm like okay i need to learn the metal space i don't know metals right it's, it's a whole new ball game yeah right? you're up against casting and cnc yep. uh, and forging and so forth so i looked online i google is there a 3d printing tutorial a, a shortcut a hack or a white paper a primer so I can ramp up to speed because i want to do well i want to have a yep. career expansion into metals mm -hmm. and they weren't and that shocked me because metal 3D printing has actually already been around for 17 years. Yep. So my journey, what I learned within the first year of Arkham, actually knocking on doors and trial and error and learning how is it different than laser powder bed, I actually decided to start sharing my insights with people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is an awesome platform and it's free. So I started sharing that and, and people actually... Um, the LinkedIn community for AM is awesome. It I is, isn't it? Yeah. Encouraging feedback, and and that encouraged me to continue to share those insights or observation. Um, so, I just wish that more people would. I'm not the only one in the industry who could share. So, my one answer to you is: I wish that more people would share um, more frequently than what they have versus only once a year you go to a user group meeting yep. and then you get a brain dump for a whole <laughs> week. I wish and then you disappear again. Yeah. Throughout the year or th more frequently. Um, so so that's one answer of uh, I encourage people to share knowledge. Um, the other challenge for the industry, I will talk to pandemic later, but in general what I've seen over the last 18 years is there's a lot of... Um, learning from the last decade there was a recession in 09 uh, and, uh, and 10 a yep. decade ago uh, with this recent recession and mm -hmm. then on top of that you have a pandemic so when you have this um, cycle you can look at what happened last time what happened last time was it was all about prototyping it yep. was a lot about consumer it was a lot about every home will have a 3D printer yep. in the kitchen and all that. That is not reality. And it, it, it's just wrong marketing. So it was consumer, it was polymer, it was a few players, it was um, low awareness. And where we are today, now from 1.2 billion to 12 billion, we are going up. So it's a little bit from, we went from, we graduated, the industry has graduated from elementary school, we're now in high school. But to go to the next frontier, to go to university, is that if we're going to be a legit industry at 120 billion, grow 10x again, yep. um, I see 
a lot of growing pains because we have to step up to the challenge because now the next 100 billion will be, has to be manufacturing. If you cannot help the industry with new technology innovation get into mass production of many, many parts, not just a few prototypes or tuning or takes and picture, we're not gonna grow the industry as everybody just doing one, two, five of prototype. And and so to to grow the industry, we actually have to learn what is manufacturing, what is the requirement of time. So it's it's a it's a whole new ball game. And I'm not sure all manufacturer understand that that having a printer is not a solution because for a customer it's the end product. All the post processing, the dirty secret that nobody really talk about is there's always post processing, no matter what technology or what material. Yep. And that is not automated. So I see a future where really a 3D printer is technically a robot. Yep. So if you have that automation and it's almost so smart you don't need an operator, well what's the point if that is automated? but you still have to wash it cleaner than put it in the oven, all this manual work or with future pandemic six feet apart, it, it's not gonna cut it. I think, yeah, you're spot on, Tuan, frankly. And again, it's more of stepping back, isn't it? And looking at the, as you say, a holistic, um, an ecosystem rather than trying to, I, I did see a period of hardware driven um, influence. So I think there's a lot of hardware manufacturers driving certain trends um, and I think that kind of steered the industry down a narrow path and I think now um, the, the more people talk about AM as whole, no holistic picture rather than I guess biased towards trying to push a, a machine sale through or a powder sale through what we've all got to do is is exactly come together um, and share our ideas as a full ecosystem so that we can deliver ultimately what is required to make that that big big step forward um so yeah i think i think that's um, a valid point i mean i just wanted to sort of say that fair play to you guys in amidst the pandemic securing 12.5 million in investment i saw on one of your press releases last year i mean uh, hats off to you guys for you know showing that even in the most toughest of times you know, people pull together and people believe in this technology. So it's people like yourself, Twan, and, and businesses like ours that are trying to drive forward and, and really deliver, you know, a, a new uh, engineering solution that uh, provides all those benefits. Um, I mean, it, it kind of brings me to a topic which is quite current, and that's the COP26 that was quite, you know, the recent conference. And... What I see now is um, a big drive towards when people are assessing supply chains, the, the the footprint is a huge part of that consideration. You know, generally it was price, quality and delivery. But now the environmental factor, I think, will play quite a significant part in the, you know, in the supplier assessment. So how do you see, you know, it's the reusability, it's the um, trying to make this more cost effective. How do you see that happen in the AM world? You know, what what catches your attention in terms of usability? Do you have any ideas on that? What we have observed over the last two decades is often somebody invented a machine, some kind of print engine, and they do a product launch and they stuck the printer out and 
customer find out what they actually can do with it. Yeah. And that has generally been the way 3D printers been launched, but none of them really understand the application or few applications actually go to the main point of actually making that kind of product. So I see that the new trend is trying to be more focusing on the application, what not the print itself, but actually what it can make. But to answer your question relating to pandemic as well, is that the interest or the due diligence of the homework and editor was happening, but I think with the pandemic, with reshoring and supply chain constraints, especially coming from Asia, yep. is that people are now more proactively, so in a positive way, even more people are looking at, I, I can't have this happen again. Yep. How do I do a backup? Uh, Inventory uh, management, yeah. Supply chain. Mm -hmm. But it also uh, touches another trend that I see is historically there were a few players, they had a printer with the latest tech, I gotta have it, everybody bought it, they yeah. figured out what to do with it. Yep. And it ended up being an <laughs> expensive piece of furniture and it's not being used. Correct. So printers were sold, now you have an option you can buy, now you can even lease it. But I think with the pandemic, uh, so I actually challenge the industry is like, why don't we ask the customer? So I haven't finished this yet, but the, another insight I'm going to be sharing soon, the thought is the additive customer bill of rights. What do they actually want? Yep. And nobody's really talking about that. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and having that coming from a sales guy and equipment manufacturer sales guy is kind of hard, but... I'll, I'll take a stab at, at it. I think in the future, a customer, with everything going on, they, and it's coming, and the industry doesn't know it yet, is the customer actually do not want to buy a printer. They don't want to lease it. Actually, what they really want, my take on this, is that they've probably done, made the product traditionally somehow. What they really want is that which is non-negotiable. Can you produce that through additive um, with, this, with the same quality or superior quality? Or can you add value to 3D printing, conformal cooling channel, lightweighting, yeah. working so far? Can you give me value for the quality is non-negotiable? If you meet those requirements, I really don't care which machine is being done which material, which design. I only want it, as long as the quality is not negotiable, I just want it cheap, fast, or better locally on demand. So I see a future where the future will be for additive, when we grow another 100 billion, is that it will be AWS 3D printing in the cloud. That means yep. for any customer, why do you have to own any piece of equipment struggling to find talent to operate it, stealing from other customers to get the talent, and then the technology is obsolete in two years, or new firmware upgrade is happening, and my, my staff resign after two years, and I need to retrain and relearn that again. But what I want is just the part, at a high quality, cheaper, faster, and better at the high quality, but I want it across the street, locally, that in touches the reshoring, so I think the future is going to be where if 
you're actually not buying or leasing any equipment. You're actually buying capacity to make what you need. And we should have a conversation about that. It's going to change the business model completely. I think that's quite visionary, actually. And I mean, there is a lot of talk about, you know, manufacturing 4.0. And that is essentially a, you know, an end-to-end solution that, you know, is essentially uh, with, you know, adoption of AI, adoption of robotics, and all the sort of uh, ancillary equipment and the printers, and ultimately all the, again, all the post-processing equipment to a point where that essentially could be a factory that almost runs itself. And, you know, with with the data, I mean, data is, is the key, isn't it, to progression in this technology. And the more data we have, I think this will be realized eventually. Uh, it is a almost like a matrix-style possibility where you literally have these factories self-operating to make these parts, and you, and you indeed lease out the capacities for your, you know, capacity will be the, the commodity, right? Not the machine, not the, you know, the tool. It'll be capacity is the new currency. So it's an interesting concept, and I will be around to see that possibly. <laughs> I think relating to that as well is also so far somebody designed some kind of new part using CAD by human, so human design those design. But I think in the future with AI and, and smart tech and having machine learning for all the technology that is possible, what actually is the reverse is I tell the computer what actually I need of the boundary constraint and loads yep. and so forth. And actually, uh, if you are a cat designer, listen carefully. Future design that will be 3D printed will be done by computers, not by humans anymore. Yep. They can do it so much faster, so much better. Yep. They can compute much at a level no humans can. So if you don't adapt to that new reality, you're going to be left behind. So this is the way we're No, I, I think it's great and appreciate you sharing that opinion, Twan, and that, that vision that you see. It's a definitely a talking point. And I have one last question, actually, and it's digressing a little bit from, you know, that kind of philosophical discussion we've been having, is why did you call it Lake? This is your, your company, Azure 3D. Why Lake? I, I almost see that, funnily enough, the vision that you've been talking about, which is this almost this powerhouse of a manufacturing site. Is it like what the epitome of Lake is, right? So it's just a big place where a lot of things happen in the ecosystem. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading too much into it. So this is what happened when, when two uh, amazing PhD students <laughs> in a uh, nanochemistry lab of Chad Merkin's lab were thinking of company name and product name. Mm. So to answer your question, the first generation, the first prototype is actually called a pond. It was bigger than a pond. It's a lake. What do you think our next part will go as bigger than a lake? The sea. Mm-hmm. What is larger than a sea? The ocean. So does that represent your evolution then as a business, right? Effectively. I think that's going to be a very big hit. So this is how, <laughs> how, this is how PhD maybe should not do marketing. <laughs> well, so even the company name Azul is means blue in Spanish. Blue in Spanish. Yeah. my blue best. Mm-hmm.
and, and you're quite fetching that as well, Tuan, I must admit. Well, I think it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you, Tuan. Thanks ever so much for sharing your, you know, your opinions in the AM industry and thanks everybody else for listening. Much appreciated. Over and out. Thanks very much to Tuan Tramfam for joining us on Powderheads. His insight on the industry and his call to share knowledge and information is a message that we hear a lot of additive manufacturing experts reference. If you have questions or comments about what we discussed in this podcast of Powderheads, send them to powderheads at carpenteradditive.com or visit our podcast page at www.carpenteradditive.com slash powderheads. We continue to build an archive of all our interviews there, as well as additional material that provides insight and perspective on modern day additive manufacturing. Powderheads is managed by Carpenter Additive and its parent company, Carpenter Technology, a global leader in specialty alloys for over 130 years. Our goal is to help customers solve their most challenging material and process problems. Learn more at carpentertechnology.com. Thanks again for listening and keep building.